The views and opinions of all participants in this podcast are strictly their own. Listener's discretion is advised. Listening to The Human Factor. <laughs> Hello, Podcast Land. I am Danny Beard, and you are listening to The Human Factor. Uh, I've been working on a series some of you may know called Origins of Life. In this episode, I will be discussing creationism in some of its forms and fashion. And with me today to aid me in this discussion is a good friend and fellow podcaster, Jason Morris. Yes, and uh, just so people know, real quick, I have a podcast called Keeping It Real with Jay Scott. So that's kind of my alter ego. Uh, it's, it's He's saying Jason Morris. A lot of people call me Jay. Middle name Scott. So Jay Scott is the podcast. Keeping It Real with Jay Scott is here. Go ahead, Danny. Nah. So anyhow, last week, uh, you and I had a similar discussion on your podcast, um, which was actually very entertaining. Um, but I just want people to know that like the information I'm discussing today can be sensitive to some people. And just a reminder that it's just information. Um, this information is only a small part of the big four questions. Everyone, I think, comes to ask themselves at some point in their lives. So I'm just going to start with the first question. Where did we come from? Okay. Yep. So a lot of people might care or might not care, but did we evolve from bipedal creatures that once roamed Africa? Uh, were we created by a God or a deity? Yeah. What, what about aliens? Or aliens. Maybe just another, another possibility. I just want to throw a curveball. Yeah, it's, it's true. Xenu could have created this. Who knows? <laughs> so that's just a question i think that a lot of people maybe not the out of the four questions it may not be the one everybody like comes to terms and says okay this is the one question i gotta know but i think it's seemingly an interesting question where did we come from we've been told so many different views and opinions of how we got here what we came from so i think it's an interesting question but i'll move on to the second question what makes us who we are? It's a very good question because a lot of people believe, I'd say the majority now was like 2 billion Christians on earth. So with most of them, I would say, think they have a soul, you know? Um, yes. Another thing is, is that, I mean, whether or not what your beliefs are, it doesn't really matter. I think we all still kind of have that, that seeming ability to, to look at ourselves and say, eh, you know, what does make me who I am? Why am I an individual human being? Why is my brain controlling this body and I'm my own person while the person next to me, I don't even care if it's your twin, is a completely different human being. So Yes, and that is proven by science too. They have different personalities. They have different favorite colors, favorite activities. It's true. Yeah. Even different health problems. And they're genetically exactly the same. Absolutely. 
Well, they only have one difference. You know what it is? No, dude, do tell. The only difference that you, I mean, the only way you can tell them apart is by their fingerprints. Even their DNA is the same. It's very interesting stuff. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool, man. I actually, it, uh, it, it's very interesting how they still end up with differential personality traits, favorite things they like and do, and all that. One unique thing that's very interesting about twins, which probably is going completely off the topic of your subject, is their connection when they're not together. Yeah, I have. I've actually read a little bit on that. It's, pre it's pretty interesting. Some of the stories I've read on uh, certain twins talking about. Well, my brother was in California. I was in New York City. And for some reason, I just knew he was in trouble. And so I got to California as quick as I could come to find out he's in a terrible car accident. Really yeah, it's weird. A, it's a it's a phenomenon that's happened over and over throughout time and is without explanation. Yeah, it's very cool stuff. Yep. So do we have a soul? Who knows? Um, are we an avatar created and controlled by a predetermined simulation? Who knows? I don't know. Those are questions you might, might want to ask yourself. I know it sounds silly, but, you know, some people actually believe that shit. Elon you Musk. Know, uh, <laughs> you know I hate that, right, Danny? Yeah. I hate the predetermined uh, outlook, simulation theory, predeterminism, of prophecy, all that that excludes free will. Well, it's a, there you go. You do, It's a direct... Uh, it basically is direct conflict with anything that Christians say because, well, you know, God gives us free will. Well, if he gave you free will, then how does he know you're ever moved? How does he know that you're, because they all say the same thing. Well, your life is planned out. You can't fool God. You can't fate. fool him. Fate. Yeah. So I don't believe in fate. What, what, what fun <laughs> would that be? If you were created, what fun would it be to have everything play out for billions of years exactly planned out on a spreadsheet yeah it's bullshit no it's that there's no fun in that free will all so the way. I'm, so i'm driving down to the local bistro or something i'm gonna pick me up a deli sandwich on the way there i'm gonna fool god i'm just gonna i'm gonna hop out of my car and jump off the fucking bridge i bet he didn't see that coming oh he knew yeah well, i know he did that's so they say but he wrote it he wrote it in the script <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll move on to the third question. Um, I think everybody at some point, and it may be anxiety, it may be depression, it may be happiness, it may be a lot of things, but they all seem to ask themselves this question. What is our purpose or meaning? That's a big one. So do we actually have free will? Is our lives already predetermined? Are we slaves created for the purpose of others? I don't know. Those are interesting questions. And I think if you really are one of those deep thinking people, I know I have been in the past. Sometimes I have, I'm thoughtless, but um, I, I really, really want to know. I don't think too much on it to where it deters my life from moving forward, but it's a very valid question. I think everybody seems to ask themselves. You're right. Every single person, I think, without a doubt, there's some outliers, of course, that probably don't ask, but I think probably 99.9% .9 of people at some point in their life are going to hit this point that you are speaking of where they go, what was I created for? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? Why am I here? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. Uh, I'm sure you and I can both say, I mean, I think everyone at some point wants validation that their life has purpose or meaning that yes. they're not just wasting their time that, you know, and I hate to bring it up, but there's a lot of reason why people kill themselves. I'm not going to go into it. Cause I'm not going to say, Hey, I know why this person killed themselves. And you know, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, but they literally get to the point where it's like, well, you know what? Life is meaningless and I'm getting my ass kicked every day. And when I'm on the ground, then somebody comes up and kicks me even more. So I'm just going to jump off a bridge or blow my fucking head off or whatever it is. And the thing is, is those people don't have meaning in their life. They, they've lost I totally, it. totally agree with you. I think it's lack of purpose and lack of meaning in their existence with some, of course, again, outliers that may be living in constant total pain and agony from some kind of disease or whatever and that is unbearable then there's a case where they may co commit suicide even if they do know their purpose or meaning they just can't stand living in the body they're in anymore absolutely i mean hell even you know some of the wealthiest people in the world are miserable and they start to look at their money their bank accounts they think wow i'm doing just so awesome you know, here I am, I'm, I'm fucking rich, but then they have to start asking themselves, well, but what does it all really mean? You know? And then that's when they start getting depressed and start thinking, yeah, but could I sacrifice my money for a little bit of happiness or whatever it may be? It didn't have to be money necessarily, but maybe you just didn't quite get where you wanted to get in life. And then you start questioning yourself, especially on your deathbed. Um, you start thinking, well, I look back at my life while I'm laying here dying and I'm thinking to myself, you know, was I a good father um, or a mother? Was I, you know, did I do what I was supposed to be intended to do in life? I don't know. Yes. It's the number one thing on people's deathbed is regret. I wish I would have asked that guy out. I wish I would have taken that job. I wish I would have had the balls to stand up and be a public speaker because I had it in me. I always wanted to do it or an artist or whatever. All yep. these regrets, lots of regrets on the deathbeds. Yeah. I mean, the Pope will lie to you and say there's no such, you know, in, in his, in his eyes, you know, they, there is no regret, but the, the fact is, is it's like dying. Reg re regret, <laughs> regret and death are the only two things you're guaranteed in life. We yeah. all, we all regret something. Maybe, yeah. I, maybe I, it may be something so small that the Pope himself doesn't see it as regret, but whatever. I'll move on to the next one. So I'd say the, I'd say the most important one of all, or I'd say probably the most asked one of all is where do we go when we die? So big question. Yeah. Because it's scary. And they say that people that aren't really, religious find religion on their deathbed that suddenly i'm calling out to god i know i haven't spoke to you my whole fucking life i never even acknowledged you but i'm sitting here thinking now i'm about to die and i better it, it's better that i reach out to you now than not reach out to you because i'm scared yeah it, it is there's a fear there's a panic because the only sure thing you know is the one thing you have is since you have been alive, you've been in this body and you have no idea what happens after it is gone. Once it's extinguished, you don't have a clue. 
Yeah, I mean, I, and it brings up a lot of questions from a lot of different religions. Um, the most obvious is, do I go to heaven or hell? <laughs> yeah, for Christians, yes, that's the main one. Yeah, so you got to ask yourself, have you been a good person? I think as long as you're a good person, you really don't have anything to worry about. That's just my opinion. If a God is so vengeful because you cheated on your taxes or you did something wrong once or twice in your entire life, but you were ultimately a good human being, I don't think you should be punished for that. Um, I, of course, obviously, I'm not God, so I, I can't determine that for you, but... <laughs> Well, this is one thing that a lot of people don't really dig into their text and understand, too, is the duality, like this uh, hypocritical nature of, say, the King James Bible or whatever Bible you're reading is God is always he's vengeful in some situations. He's jealous. He is judgmental. Obviously, he's going to judge you. Um, he's childish. He's petty. He's prideful. He's insecure about certain things, it seems like, almost like us. He seems like he's a human being. Yeah. I mean, it's the way it's written. It's like he's almost like a human being. He has all these insecurities and little petty things that he opens up to the different prophets he speaks to in the Bible. And it's very odd that a God would speak that way when he created everything. It's basically, well, I mean, the Bible does state, especially King James Bible, I mean, there's variations of the text, but it does state in the King James Bible that God created us in his image. Um, now, the fact is, is he's hey, God. Hey, one thing. Let me, let me just throw this in there real quick. Go ahead. Okay, the Bible, everybody needs to look at that passage because he doesn't say he created man in his image. It's... Uh, what does it say? God, I'm forgetting exactly what it says, but it, it's a multiple uh, person term. Hmm. I never uh, thought that. Could, the people are created in, I believe it's our image or they are created in our image. He's talking about multiple. He's not saying just him. He's saying like, what is there more gods or who's he? It doesn't make sense that passage to me because it's not... He's not singing, singling out that people are created in his image as if God is a man. Also, we don't know that. Um, but I guess that's what it says in the Bible. Um, yeah, I wish I could recite the passage, but it's, it's a plural. Hmm. It's not, it's not singular. Interesting. I, yes. I, I never caught that. Um, I've only I'm only familiar with the King James version and uh, parts of the Arabic translation version, so I'm not really sure. I know that there's so many versions of the Bible now that yes. I'm sure I'm sure many things are lost in translation. We we know that to be true. As uh, in the King James Bible, they lead you to believe it says the Virgin Mary, but if you go back into further translation. Uh, that's not what they're saying. So I'll just leave that at that. But <laughs> um, but no, that's it. Uh, interesting. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, is there heaven or hell? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, are we reincarnated? Uh, do we simply cease to exist? <clears throat> There's a lot of questions people ask themselves throughout life. 
you know? So, and once they get to that point in their life and some people never get there, it's just like, bam, car accident, they're dead. They didn't have a chance. So you're just kind of left empty and stuck with whatever it is you believe at the moment. And that is what it is. Or perhaps if you acquired enough wealth at the time of our deaths, Xenu will allow you to rule your own planet. Who knows? Yeah, that's, that's all dependent on how much you pay into the Scientology system on what plant, if you'll acquire a planet. Well, yeah. And you know, what's funny about that is there's is a I, certain, certain level you got to reach in their hierarchy and it requires lots of money. I'm, I'm talking probably it's in the millions. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of similar religions out there that, uh, kind of touch on that same principle like if you look far enough back to uh egypt um that was the pay in the passage is how much wealth you had to give to death before you crossed over whether or not that would be able to allow you a place in the afterlife and if not then you were lost in limbo so there's a lot of that going around as well. There, out of 4,800 religions, I mean, you're gonna find some really weird shit across the board. Oh, hey, can I can I butt in for one second? Absolutely. I'm sorry. I hate to do this to you because I know you're on a roll, but I found the verse for you. Okay, New International Version and the New Living Translation. They all say basically the same thing. Then God said, "Let us make. Let us." make mankind in our image there you go. In, our, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground multiple plurals mentioned there not him saying himself yeah and some people may look at it and this is this is interesting you bring this up because it kind of it kind of touches on some other topics that are very similar or i should say religions that have i guess a similar meaning but whenever he says our some people that read the king james bible which is probably the most read and i think it's literally the most sold bible or sold book in the entire universe uh, earth so they're going to see that as even if it's say an hour, it's like, what is he talking about? Is he talking about himself and his, uh, you know, flock of angels. But if you start looking at religions that go way back beyond Christianity, they all speak of this, a very similar, uh, text where they're saying our or us, meaning that maybe angels were just, deities of their own low lower gods of a form yes absolutely yes. so i mean there's there you know i mean hell even in uh, Mesopot- it, mesopotamia they were talking about this stuff it Palpins. makes sense if you yes if you look into um definitely egyptology there is a main god and then there is all the subcategories of gods underneath that rule different things like maybe the sun the moon the winds the earth all those kinds of things. And then uh, you going even further back uh, to Sumerian, the oldest form of written language that we have to decipher their text. They speak of multiple gods too. And one main God, Anu. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's the whole thing is back during the time period of uh, early Mesopotamia, um, uh, 
we had the Sumerians, obviously, and and right across the way was the Akkadians. Um, a little bit later on, two more groups uh, were formed, the Babylonians and the Syrians. And they all had very similar, even though their belief systems were slightly different, their stories were all very similar in nature. And they all spoke of gods or deities coming to earth. And so it's kind of interesting. In fact, a lot of their stories are in the Bible. So they're just different names, different maybe variations, but very similar. So it's pretty interesting stuff when you start breaking it down to that, but we'll move on to it. So basically, let me tell you you real quick, as far as if you want to go back into the Sumerian text, people look up the Atrahesis and the Anuma Elish. If you can spell it, both of those stories are the creation stories from Sumerian uh, cuneiform tablets, both explain creation. And you can see exactly where our Bible ripped the story from. Yes, absolutely. And and it's thousands and thousands of years older. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, We could go into lots of religions that are way older than Christianity. I mean, you know, even some that are still uh, in use today, which I'll talk about that a little bit here uh, in a moment. But uh, creationism is the topic overall. Creationism, whether you're a Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, uh, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's all for you. So creationism is the religious belief that nature and aspects such as the universe, earth, life, and humans originated with supernatural acts of divine creation. In its broadest sense, creationism includes a continuum of religious views which vary in their acceptance or rejection of scientific explanation, such as evolution, that describes the origin and development of natural phenomena. And I'll tell you this much, not in all cases does it want to exclude evolution because now even Protestants and Catholics alike accept evolution. Really strange. That's very sad. It's weird because they're so hell-bent on their principles and the Protestants and Catholics have been killing each other for thousands of years now. And it's like all of a sudden, you know, they 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 just want to say, oh, well, you know, the Pope says it's good. So I guess it's good no matter what side of the street we stand on. Yeah, it just doesn't mix. It does not mix. No, it doesn't. And when I say which side of the street you stand on, I'm literally telling you there's a divider in Belfast that literally defi- divides two sets of the, two sides of the street. Um, well, I've yeah, I mean, I know somebody you know very close to me that is from Ireland and lived through the age of the IRA and the bombings and the fighting mm-hmm. and all the uh, checkpoints where people were getting, you know, killed and stuff over just absolutely ridiculous shit based on their religion they were. It yes. was just nonstop fighting. Yes, you you could have two pubs across from each other all good Irish folk, all drinking, but when you start throwing religion in the mix, guess what? One doesn't come across the other side. It's just that simple because then that's when people start dying. And it's all, you know, they've been fighting so long, I don't even think they even know why they're fighting anymore. It's because right. you got it's- you got people talking in their ear, poisoning their minds, 
And they're all good Irish citizens that, that don't need to be fighting over, especially something so petty. At the bottom of it all, why would anybody fight over religion or scientific belief to where you kill somebody? I don't understand that. We've seen it happen to England. We've seen it happen to Rome. And we see it happening here today. So it's just, you know, to me, I I feel like if you're going to fight, I think war is just practically unnecessary. But if you're going to fight over something, don't make it for somebody else's agenda. I mean, you know, you want to punch someone in the face because they stole your parking spot. That's one thing. But just to, you know, stab somebody in the parking lot because they said <laughs> they don't like Donald Trump or <laughs> it, they don't like the fact you're Jewish or whatever. I just think it's foolish. It's so stupid. And that's really what's wrong with our country. But anyways, I won't I won't get too much on a tear on that. <laughs> well, yeah, on. You're You're right, though. You're yeah, right, though. man. I mean, it's just, you know, why can't everybody just love one another? Or at least, at the very least, just stay the fuck away from each other. It's a know? very puritanical way of thinking that makes absolute common sense, but that is not what the world's based on. <laughs> <laughs> nope, sure ain't. So, the, you know, the term creationism uh, most often refers to beliefs in special creation, right? So the claim that universe... Uh, the universe and life forms were created as they exist today in uh, by divine action. And that the only true explanations are those which are compatible with a Christian fundamentalist literal interpretation of the creation myth found in the Bible's Genesis creation narrative. So since the 1970s, the most common form has been young earth creationism. So you you understand that like the whole thing with young earth creationism is uh, it basically poses a special creation of the universe and life forms within the last ten thousand years on the basis of flood geneal or flood geology and promotes uh, pseudoscientific creation science. So basically, they're trying to say, well, you know. We believe that this all happened at least within the last 10,000 years. That's what young earth creation is, uh, creationism is. Whereas there's also old earth creationism, which they think it goes back. Well, there's really no specific number. They just think it's a really long time ago. And it right. more it more lines up with the thought process of the people that believe in the Big Bang and Darwinism and all that bullshit. So. I don't know how you feel about, uh, actually, I do know how you feel about it. And maybe you want to tell the audience how you feel about Darwinism. As far as Darwinism goes, uh, I see so many holes in the theory. Uh, Actually, not through religion or creation or anything like that, just scientifically speaking, there's big jumps and gaps in evolution theory that make absolutely no sense and are not accounted for and nobody seems to want to hold people accountable for pressing on with this theory as long as they have and teaching kids in schools this without explaining it so you're basically saying you don't believe that we were bipedal creatures that all come from africa i don't know where the hell we came from 
Well, I mean, whether or not it's Africa or the Middle East or, I mean, it makes sense. That's where, you know, a lot of people came from, but it doesn't mean that there weren't people already here. I mean, look, when we came over here back in what, the 1400s, there was Native Americans, there was Aztecs, there was, you know, there was people every part of the world. I mean, hell, we don't even know. There may have been people in Antarctica at one time. We don't know. The Definitely the uh, land masses, the different continents have shifted. The plate tectonics have moved. There's the old theory of the land bridge. I mean, there's so many different things to take into account of where people could have come from. I wouldn't have a clue, honestly. Yeah, it's it's a lot to swallow, to be honest. <laughs> Definitely and a lot then, to and, process. And then to try and put a date on when uh, actual, you know, homo sapiens appeared with the brain capacity of the thinking the consciousness the abilities that we have now i don't know what the date on that is but if you're talking religiously ten thousand years well unfortunately when you look at science it goes back further than that and then you get into collaboration with some religious forms of scripture like Sumerian cuneiform that relates to what scientific proof we're finding, but it doesn't relate to Christian or Catholic uh, beliefs and what they write as far as when humans appeared. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the whole thing. And I think they say that our brains were like literally like one third of the size they are now. Um, And then at some point we decided to walk upright, become hunter gatherers, but then magically they can't, you know, even after we met with our, our original people, actually, we when we met with Neanderthals, they taught us how to start fire, blah, blah, blah. And then they started breeding with like Denisovans, and then we all started breeding. And then eventually we just magically knew everything there was to know about agriculture, about astronomy, about languages, variations yes. of writings. All of a sudden we were these well-skilled individuals yet we were just not that long ago bipedal creatures running around scratching our assholes i mean it's just stupid it doesn't make any sense right to all of a sudden develop all this super complex philosophic thinking mathematical thinking uh understanding of astrology all these things just appearing all of a sudden makes absolutely no sense from a caveman doesn't yeah, no. that does not add up that to me that, that's like i was speaking earlier that's one of the gaps in evolution that doesn't make any sense no how how do we how did we build ziggurats you know ten thousand years ago out of metal with like less than equivalent bronze age tools it's fucking impossible they know it is um and not only that, those ziggurats, many bronze them- tools. That's another. You made a great point right there. Um, classic Egyptology claims that, like during the pyramid age, the, the great pyramids. This is something everybody can easily relate to. There mm-hmm. is a hard. There's a hardness scale for everything, for metals, for rock, for all that kind of stuff. And you got from one to ten. And bronze tools fall somewhere in the four to five range of hardness. And you have granite stones carved perfectly, like laser cut, like <laughs> the standards today that we almost can't even accomplish this kind of stuff and the size of them. And they are a rating of eight. 
way harder than a bronze tool could manipulate or cut. Absolutely. I mean, they know, they know many, it many, make, uh, makes no sense. Many of the archaeologists are just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Right. <laughs> yep. And it, it was a bunch of idiot slaves in loincloths doing this and they made perfect, uh, blocks and did all this expertise work, lining up everything perfectly on the earth in these alignments with the stars and astrology and true north and all this. And they're a bunch of slave idiots. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just, and that's, that was the second point I was going to stretch out there was, is that many of those ziggurats pointed directly to stars that form constellations of gods. And that's the one thing they like, how did they know this shit? You know? That they just, oh, I look up one day, I see stars. I'm going to build a fucking massive ziggurat. Well, this the, the, the point you're bringing up to me, when I look back at it on lots of these cultures, I see intelligence that was far ahead of our current age, which means they were more intelligent back then than we actually are now because we are just getting up to the point in the last maybe 100, 200 years to understand all these different things about astro astrology, the alignment of different things on the earth that they knew thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's pretty interesting stuff. And, you know, it, that's why I always have this belief that our early people, I, I believe around Mesopotamia time, our early people basically were greeted by deities and they were taught the things because I mean, I there's no way a, a, a simple minded bipedal creature could just decide to walk upright and then meet a Neanderthal caveman that has basically no intelligence and just automatically knows how to take and make fire. It's not a simple task. If and anybody who's a boy scout would know, it's it's challenging, you know, it's not something that you could just. If somebody didn't show you how to do it, how the hell are you just going to be like magically, oh, me make fire, you know? I mean, give me a fucking break. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you can, some people will say, okay, Danny, well, it's possible. Somebody could have just been fiddle farting around with a stick and some brush, some dry brush in front of them and they popped a spark off and it, wow, they figured it out. You know, it's just an accident and it happened, but then they got it. But still, I mean, it just, it, none of it makes, there's so many more things than just that one aspect that you can look at and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. All right. So mainline Protestants and the Catholic church, uh, basically reconcile modern science with their faith in creation through forms of theistic evolution which hold that God per, uh, purposefully created through the laws of nature and accept evolution, which is kind of, I guess, what we talked about a minute ago. Um, some groups call their belief evolutionary creationism. Um, and less prominently, there are also members of the Islamic and Hindu faiths who are creationists, which is really strange. Um but basically, we can look at it as uh, the use of the term creationist 
in this context dates back to Charles Darwin's unpublished or 1842 sketch draft for what would eventually become on the origins of species. And he used that term later uh, in letters to colleagues. So, you know, there's those people that still have that strong belief that, you know, evolution is a thing. The big bang theory is a thing, but now we have religion crossing over with science. And like I said, many Protestant uh, churches and, and the whole Catholic nation, apparently, or at least over in Europe, um, they all accept evolution now <laughs> as a thing. So it's a little strange to me um, when you put those two together. I see a little bit of conflict, but they just kind of work it out as, well, it doesn't really conflict with the Bible. So I don't know. I mean, are you calling God a liar? I don't know. There's I mean, so many different divisions of religion now that I I don't understand any of it. Everybody just kind of makes up their own beliefs about what they think is the reality of the subject. And that's what they call their faith. And they put their own stamp of approval on it, give it their own name, just a little different than this or that. And that's why we have so many different religions now. Yeah. And it's all, you know, it's all handwritten by man and then professed to be biblical. So, you know, if a man decides to sit down, like we saw with Scientology, a, a terrible writer decided, hey, one day I'm going to pin in uh, a few words here and I'm going to start something. I'm going to create something far greater than my shitty books were. And look at that. All of a sudden, there's this whole new religion and we got people in Hollywood and all over the nation now that are great followers. Cause they look at these actors and think, Oh, I'm a Tom Cruise fan and he's a, a Scientologist. So I have to get involved in this. Where do I sign up? Well, you could start with like 20 grand down payment. It's so deliberate to Elron Hubbard. Yes. Like you said, was a absolutely shitty fictional writer. Um, he talked about aliens and all sorts of different things, you know, pulling out laser zappers and blasting stuff. And I mean, <laughs> not much. I mean, I'm, I'm literally like probably saying like something he would write in the Senate sounds like something a kid would write. No, like real charismatic way with his words or anything, just horrible writings. Anyways, his book sales were never that great. But he was very clever about the way he crafted this religion and deliberately went after sculpting like part of his academy is modeled after the military. He has a, like a, a the Sea Org, which is modeled after the Navy military. He deliberately went after Hollywood and got people from Hollywood into the faith. And by what means he did that, I don't know, but it was all deliberately done to attract the masses to his religion. And by many people's, you know, admission, it, it's worked. It's, it's, it's thriving. It's doing very well. It's tax exempt. They have billions of dollars. So they've done something pretty good with it. Exactly. And, and the, the whole thing about when man sits down and puts his mind to a task, it brings up that whole creation myth or, cosmogonical myth, whatever you want to call it, which is a symbolic narrative of how the world began and how people first came to inhabit it. While in popular usage, the term myth 
often refers to false or fanciful stories. Members of cultures often often ascribe varying degrees of truth to their creation myths. In the society in which it is told, a creation myth is usually regarded as conveying profound truths, metaphorical, symbolically, historically, or literally, they are commonly, although not always, considered cosmogonical myths. That is the interesting term. Yes, and, and that is how they describe the ordering of the cosmos from a state of chaos or amorphousness. So it's a, it's great to sit there and see scientists whenever they talk about, well, there's the Big Bang and everything started from a star and bam, and like less than a second, everything was, you know, the whole cosmic microwave background was there. Everything existed, blah, blah, blah. But then you got the other side that's like, no, 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 no. We don't agree with any of that. And now it seems like more and more they're coming together because science makes sense to a certain extent, but the majority of what we know is all theory. Religion, religion makes sense to a certain extent, but then again, it's all theory. So where do you draw the line between science and religion? The two literally can walk hand in hand, but often do not. So when you put the two together, like the Catholic church, so, wonderfully did for us it starts making you question yourself well whether they're teaching this shit in school to our children well think about it if you're a religious person where did you where did you first hear it from was it your grandma your mom how far back does it go that you were saying i don't know say you're catholic is and you're from a catholic family where did this come from Did you just one day decide, oh, no, I have to be Catholic? No, probably not. You probably heard it somewhere down the pipeline. It was bred into you. Pretty much. Either that or beaten into you. Gotta have that Jesus in you. Well, you know what? Lots of people like to... This this is true for all human beings. People are very tribal. They like to be in cliques. They like to be with people and be accepted. I think this accounts for a lot of people joining different faiths too, because they want to have a group they belong to. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that by any means. I mean, you know, it's not the same as joining a social club per se, but it is very much, I guess, similar in many ways. You all come together. You all share, I guess, uh, a passion, if you will which I, I guess y'all would, uh, everybody out there refers to as faith. And by, and by that, you have a, a good group of people that get together and are like-minded, and I don't believe there's anything wrong with that. However, I think some of them can be very judgmental of people who are not inside their group. So, Why we've that, had so many wars and so many people killed over religion. Yeah. Yep. A lot, of judge, a lot of judgment. You ain't got Jesus in you. You got the devil in you. I got news for you, people. You all have the devil in you. There's good good and evil in everyone. One thing that is for sure is just what you said. The world is full of duality. There is day, there is night. There is good, there is bad. I mean, you can look at opposite ends of the spectrum for just about everything in this world. It exists. Yeah. 
So creation myths develop in oral traditions and therefore typically have multiple versions found throughout human culture. Um, they are the most common form of myth. So when we talk about creation myths, it's going to be something that almost everybody's like, oh yeah, of course I at least have heard of that. Um, you know, everybody, I think at this point, you could be, I don't care in Pakistan and know what the Holy Bible is. It it doesn't matter what you believe or where you're from. It's basically been, I don't know how many languages has been. I think it's like 40 or 50 some odd languages has been uh, translated into. And it's literally been, if I'm not mistaken, like around 170 countries distributed. So from what I understand, almost every every single person that's in a different country out of the 195 countries that exist know what the Holy Bible is. So uh, it's it's a good selling book is uh, full of good stories. Yeah. Best selling book ever. Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard of uh, Ex Nihilo? Say that again. Ex Nihilo? Yes. No. Okay. Well, so it's it's the myth that God created the world out of nothing. It's the central today. Basically, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and uh, a, a medieval Jewish philosopher felt it was the only concept that three religions shared. So out of all those religions I just said, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam— a Jewish philosopher claims that he believes that's the only thing, this ex nihilo, is the only thing that connects those. Everything else is different. So Interesting term. I've never heard that. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, an odd thing to get into, and it, it can go real deep, but I don't want to get too deep into it, but I do want to touch on something very interesting about it. Um you know, the author, I love how they say the authors, the authors of Genesis 1. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, you know, those people. Yeah, one um, guy, God writing it. No, of course not. In fact, I mean, it was four different people supposedly over a period of 300 years. I mean, the Bible technically wasn't actually fully written that we know of until 300 years after Christ even walked the earth. So, uh, in fact, one of them was in prison for like 70 years or some shit. So anyhow, <laughs> yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever you want to believe on that one, um, you know, the authors of Genesis one, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Um, great, great writers. They did a great job. I actually enjoy the Bible. Uh, lots of good stuff in there. Good stories. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that too. I think as far as philosophical text, it is the best philosophical text and maybe one of the best guidebooks to live your life by that there is next to like some of the Buddhist tenets. Yeah. It's just, there, there's so much other stuff in there. That's ridiculous to me. Well, and here's something funny about it. Those authors I'm, I'm speaking of, they were uh, concerned not with the origins of matter, the matter, which God formed into the habitable cosmos Right. But with assigning roles so that the cosmos should function. And what I mean by that is, say, in the early second century, um, early Christian scholars were beginning to see a tension between the idea of world formation and the uh, 
omnipotence of God, basically saying, well, you know, we, he's God, so he's got to be strong and he's got to be, you know, all willing and blah, blah, blah. But basically what they were saying is, is there was a discrepancy between that. So by the third century, hmm. yeah, so by the third century, uh, the creation of Ex Nihilo had become a fundamental tenet of Christian theology. Because God forbid, and I hate to say that, <laughs> but God forbid anybody look at God and say, well, you're not really that much of a God, you know? I mean, if you, you know, when we start talking about science and, and putting it into religion, that's where there, there becomes that line being drawn where you have the Catholic Church saying, oh, no, 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 no. But yet now they're saying, oh, okay, I, I kind of see your point. So we can work that in there somehow to where it still works with what we believe. And that's basically all they did. So that's where the exit hilo is, is comes from. But to some extent, I can see where it kind of makes sense because if is there is this omnipresent alpha omega God that is everywhere all the time and can create any and everything and did then he created the laws of physics that all creation exists under too, which would be science. Yeah. So, so he created science. What's weird is though, is the exohelo creation is uh founding creation stories from ancient Egypt, uh, the Rig Veda and many animistic cultures like Africa, Asia, Oceania, North America. So, What's really, really intriguing, and I don't know how much you know about it, uh, the Rig Vita, um, there was this article I was reading about it, and I'll just, I'll kind of talk about it just for a second, but okay. it's just a collection of the Vedic Himes. Vedic text, I like those. So you get it, whenever you start talking about it, and it's being that it's Indian collection of Vedic Sanskrit Himes, this is really interesting stuff to me, because this is a whole whole different thing, but it was all supposedly happening around the very similar time, which is really, really interesting to me. Um, I think that this one thing that, that really gets me is it says that some of its verses continue to be recited during Hindu rites of passage celebrations, such as weddings and prayers, making it probably the world's oldest religious text in continued use. Want to know something great about it? Yes. That, that right there, that whenever it says religious text in continued use, but yet the oldest that we know of, plain and simple. And it goes on about the rituals and deities and stuff. Very similar stuff, but they're saying these go back, they predate Christ by 2,000 years. So, there you go. Yeah. And so whenever they get into this and they talk about being... uh the text is layered consisting of all these different forms. And when you bring it all together, the whole collection, it's 10 books with over a thousand uh, different Heinz, uh, six, uh, 10,600 verses. I mean, this thing is, it's, it's like basically you're holding a Bible, right? So yep. the thing is, is that if that was the, if that back then was happening at that point, we're talking 2,000 years, we're almost 4,000 years ago, roughly. How is it that there are similar stories there 
contributing to different stories. Even Native Americans um, have very similar stories. It's and just again, very they, they, again they shouldn't because they are a world apart, like literally on the other side of the world. So yeah, what? and and they were explaining very similar events happening, talking about this fascinates know, me. This deities, fascinates me. deities coming down from I guess what you know heaven or outer space, whatever, coming down to them and greeting them being kind to them, teaching them. Yep. And all this is happening in two separate parts of the entire world, worlds apart. They had no idea how to communicate with one another. This is way before Columbus ever thought about coming over here. Uh, <laughs> so, I yes. mean, it's funny how right. if you compare the stories, yes, the names of the gods are different. But if you look at even in between the variations of the stories, they're, they're not that different. They're really not that different. They're so they're so similar. It's spooky. Yeah, man. So I mean, you, you got to start questioning it. Really. When I started studying into this, that's where you know I used to have a pretty firm foundation on Christianity, and then I go, okay, there's way older religious texts that are out there that are stating stuff very similar to the Bible, from, but the stories are a little bit different and there's different gods, different uh, interpretations of what happened. And it's happening around the earth, like you're saying, at places that should have no connection to one another, but yet they're all experiencing the same things. That's such a strong correlation between all those that's being ignored. How can I trust about this Bible and this Christianity? Even in the Bible, it says Jesus did a pilgrimage to Egypt to learn yeah. from the from the masters there, from the people that were, you know, spiritual teachers, absolutely shamans and stuff. So, what do you think he learned there? Probably a lot of the knowledge he was spitting. Exactly, and even more crazy than that is when you start talking about uh, different beliefs of how the world came about, like as far as chaos, world parent, emergence. Uh, earth diver, younger creationists. What's funny is they all believe that somehow or another the world came together differently than way, the way we perceive it. But there are still similar stories in everything they believe. It's just, it's amazing to me. So I'll, I'll, I'll this is what's fun. This is so, this is what's so fun is when you actually get into this part that you're talking about right here. Most people don't pay any attention to ancient cultures and all these different beliefs that people had that we do have collected and we have proof of, if you'll get into it and you'll just, just dig in, look for your own self, you will find out that there's so much more to the story than what you've been told. Oh, yeah. And to touch a little bit on some of those I just mentioned, um, so like chaos, they talk about that, or cosmogony. Uh, in creation from chaos myths, uh, initially there is nothing but a formless shapeless expanse uh in these stories the world chaos means disorder obviously and the form in uh, this formless expanse which is also sometimes called a void or an abyss contain <laughs> yeah contains the material with which the created world will be made so yeah, being that chaos means coming from nothing or in disorder but chaos may be described as having the consistency of vapor or water. It could be dimensionless, 
uh, dimensionlessness. Ugh, I can't even say that. Um, or sometimes salty or muddy. Um, these myths associate chaos with evil or oblivion. Um, in contrast to order, which is cosmos, right? So it's another duality, like we were talking about earlier. Exactly, which is the good. So the act of creation is bringing of order from disorder. Gee, that's like uh, everything that you've ever heard about everything. So one example is the Genesis creation narrative from the first chapter of the book of Genesis. Very similar. And if you go in to actually read it, um, it's almost exactly the same. The only difference is they don't believe that God created the world in six days. So uh, moving on, I'll move into one that I, I find really fascinating is World Parent. Um, Never heard of it. I like it because it, go, it can touch on like some of the best mythology. I'm talking Greek gods, all kinds of stuff. I'm not going to get into all the different kinds of stuff, but just to kind of touch on what world parent means. Uh, there are two types of world parent myths, both describing a separation or splitting of a per, uh, primeval entity, the world parent or parents. So one form describes a primeval state as an eternal union of two parents. Okay, that's one. So usually the male is the sky and the earth is the female, right? So and we've heard this in many, many, duality. Old, many Ma mythological male stories. And female. Yeah. And, you know, some of them believe like there are two different kinds. There's ones that may basically come together. They are the form of whatever is the beginning and they cannot basically create offspring, right? So the other side to that is the two world parents are commonly identified as sky or earth, like I said, who in the prim uh, primeval state were so tightly bound to each other that no offspring could emerge. Like I said, I guess I got ahead of myself there. Sorry. Uh, these myths are often depicted uh, depict creation as a result of a sexual union and serve as genealogical record of the deities born from it. Now you've heard the story of Kronos, obviously. Yes. Likes to eat his children. Yes. You know, that kind of thing. Yum, yum, <laughs> yum. So, you know, there, there, it kind of touches on that. There is that, like a lot of people that are uh, taught history or taught that, oh, the Greek gods, this is what they believed. It's all crazy, insane shit. Um, this is why we call it mythology. But, but if you think about it, it's really not that much more far-fetched than everything else you hear about. I mean, if if this could be true, you know, why would somebody believe in Scientology? Why would somebody believe in uh, the Bible? Why would somebody believe in the Quran? They all have really crazy-ass stories in them. Now, could they be literal truth, or could it be metaphorical? We don't know. I'm not even going to pretend to say I know because I don't know, but I do find this shit fascinating. So definitely. Hey, interesting fact, Kronos, we derive uh, all of our thoughts about time from the name Kronos chronology. All that would, that has to do with time is to derive from the name Kronos. Yep. And a lot of, a lot of people, uh, like um, there's different parts I found that were really interesting about like what they consider evil or satanic or whatever you want to go about. 
uh, in translation to other religions actually don't mean that at all. Um, it's just taken out of turn, I guess, more for the mass, you know, the mass population of Christians. They want it to be as, hey, this is what, you know, Lucifer, he's even a fallen angel, he's evil. But whenever they start talking about it in comparison to other things, it doesn't, they, like I said, translations are always different. So, anyhow, the second. Hey. Can I tell you something real quick? Sure. Unless you unless you need to move on. No, go ahead. It, it goes along with what you're saying. Uh, here's another duality, a mixture of stories that was converted and changed the ancient Sumerian texts in the Garden of Creation where human beings were made. Um, they decided that their creation um, was causing too much noise, too much havoc, and needed to be destroyed. One of the good gods which would be Satan or Lucifer, the serpent in the garden, came and gave them information that they were to be destroyed and that they needed to escape. Yeah. So he was a good God in Sumerian. In our biblical canon of Christianity, he's the devil and he's evil by giving information. In Sumerian, he gave them information that saved their lives. And again, that's one of those things that I was going to say as well is, is that often the serpent is mis, uh, mistaken for evil or bad or harmful, where in most religions that go beyond Christianity, the serpent is actually a good thing, a good sign. It even was with Moses and his staff. It, it meant knowledge. Exactly. And then, you know, that's why I'm saying man can manipulate many things. They're quite good at it. It's a, it's more things that if, if people would pay attention there, you see a little twist where man might have played around with some of the wording or the text and just translated it how they wanted it to fit a certain narrative. Yeah. Well, the second form of world parent myth, uh, creating uh, creation itself springs from dismembered parts <laughs> yeah. of, of the body. Uh, this is something I could definitely get into. Uh, <laughs> your new religion. <laughs> uh, so it springs from the dismembered parts of the body of primeval being. Um, often in these stories, the limbs, hair, bones, blood, organs uh, of the primary be uh, primeval being are somehow served or sacrificed to transform into the sky, earth, animals, plant life, and other worldly features. Uh, the myths tend to emphasize create, uh, creative forces as animistic in nature rather than sexual and depict the uh, sacred uh, depict the sacred as the element of integral component of natural world. So there's that those two have a little bit of different variation, but they come from the same principles, but that's what world parent is. Those believers. I've never um, heard a world parents that's uh, new to me that was very cool stuff you found yeah yeah so i mean and, and like i said you can literally tie it into very much like uh greek mythology um there are lots of stuff that you're taught in school or maybe not taught but you learn about through whatever means uh, media or maybe television or something but it's funny how that stuff always transits into oh that was a great science fiction movie you know but in, in all reality, there's people out there that believe in this stuff. So, you know, it's pretty Man, cool. There's there's some 
good lord there's some crazy stuff out there well another one is emergence oh in, boy. Emer in emergence myths humanity emerges from another world <laughs> in, into the one they currently inhabit yeah from another dimension from another place physically it just says humanity emerges from another world into the one they currently inhabit it's, I think, a wonder. little bit, maybe a little more philosophical. Maybe it's not exactly as it sounds. But the previous world is often considered the womb of the Earth Mother. And the process of emergence is likened to act as giving birth. The, the role of midwife is usually played by a female deity like the Spider Woman of several mythologies in of indigenous peoples. In the Americas. Yes, that's right. In the Americas. I said that. There mm. are people that actually believe this stuff. Um, a lot of them, like they indigenous people. These people have been around forever. How long? We don't know because we weren't here to see them. But they're still here today. So their beliefs remain. And I think that's pretty interesting. Sticking by your guns, I guess. Uh, male characters rarely figure into these stories. And scholars often consider them in counterpoint to male-oriented creation myths, like those of the ex nihilo variety. So I do know in some religions that uh, the female was more higher regarded than the man was because of her power of creation that she could create human life. She could create. She could create another being within herself and bring it into the world. Absolutely. And then, like when we were talking about Cronus um, in the story, you know, he was, even though he was in the beginning, you know, there's, the, well, I guess in world parent, it might be slightly a little bit different. They are going off on the basis that the woman is the creator. And I'm sure women out there right now are thinking, that's pretty nice. Thank you for saying that. Hey, hey, hey there ain't nothing wrong with that. Hey, that's give them cool, their props, man. man. Give them their props. What, what do women do? They create life. We so, sure as hell can't do it. All we seem to do is take it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this and, is and good we can, stuff. We, we can, and we can move heavy shit. We're good yeah. for a couple things. Um, basically, with emergence, though, the genre is mostly commonly found in Native American cultures where the myths frequently link uh, the final emergence of people from a whole opening to the underworld. <laughs> to stories, yeah, to stories about their subsequent migrations and eventual settlements in their current homelands. Hmm. So it's kind of a kind of a, a different, interesting take on things. Um, I like it. It's pretty interesting. Um, that's all I have on that one. I'll move on to Earth Diver. Okay, never heard of that one either. Oh, I bet you've heard some version of it. Maybe I have. Oh yeah. Try so, me. So the earth diver is a common character in various traditional creation myths. In these stories, a supreme being usually sends an animal, most often a type of bird, but also crustaceans, insects, and fishes in some narratives into the primal waters to find bits of sand and mud with which to build habitable, ha <laughs> to build land basically. Uh, some scholars interpret these myths psychologically, while others interpret them cosmologically. In both cases, emphasis is placed on beginnings and manting from the depths. So, water. 
basically. And I don't know if you've ever heard that, like in some versions of uh, people for alternate creation theory, and I'm not talking about creationism, but like, say, opposed to Big Bang Theory, there are some that believe that water has more to do with everything than actual, say, cosmic microwave background, so on and so forth. I actually touched on this subject a little bit uh, about two weeks ago. Um there, I, I would say that basically all they're trying to say is, is that, hey, an animal got sent. It was there because a higher power sent it to do its job, to basically start creating everything. So that's what Earth Diver is. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a little weird, but there, you know, again, it's, uh, it's one of those common things that were believed for a long period of time, a long time ago, but apparently some people still believe it. And good well, I mean, for if, if you get into like the science aspect instead of away from creation and you do evolution, you go that route, everything started from a simple life form called an amoeba, right? And then every other kind of life form evolved from this little simple, you know, organism i don't know how many cells it was but it's very small and it was in the water you could type it you could type it tap into a very deeper more profound version of evolution basically right everything evolves from this one creature so on so forth but you know because in in the beginning with that discussion of evolution there there were those who were saying oh it goes beyond bipedal creatures what about who created them? Where did they come from? Did they just start walking upside, you know, out of the ocean? Did everything come from like bits of plankton and blah, 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 and so on and so forth? I mean, if you really get into it and you really think evolution is possible and you want to go back, say, I don't know, a hundred billion years, whatever. I mean, that's fine. That's, you know, teaches their own. They're, they're free, free to believe whatever they want. But that's basically what you get from it is, is one little creature is basically, he's creating everything. It doesn't go into specifics and say, does it create man? You know, it just says it builds land. It doesn't really, uh, I, I don't know. I don't have much information on that one. It's very interesting. I'll have to look more into it. Yeah, weird one. Hey everyone, Danny here from The Human Factor. Just a quick reminder, if you like my podcast, please rate and review on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. And feel free to hit the support button if you would like to donate monthly to this podcast. You can cancel hassle-free at any time. Also, would like to hear from all of you out there in podcast land, so please email me at thehumanfactor at protonmail.com that's p-r-o-t-o-n mail.com thanks for listening now back to it so i know i've mentioned it before but young earth creationists such as ken ham and doug phillips believe that god created the earth within the last ten thousand years um and I'm not going to dive too far into it, but literally that's what young earth creationist means um, as opposed to old earth creationists, which, you know, it'll come along, but I'm going to get into gap creationism real fast. Ooh. It's a, yeah, it's a form of old earth creationism. Where do you find what? all this shit? <laughs> I'm a thrifty person. You are. Um, I like to do my research. Um, Very. Very so, good. 
They're basically uh, a form of the gap creationists are a form of older creationists that uh, poses that the belief that the six yom, which will I'm not going to go too far in that. Either you know what it is or you don't. The yom mm. creation period, which is basically believing that God created the earth in six days, um, okay. as as described in the book of Genesis, involves six literal 24 hour days, but that there was a gap of time between two distinct creations in the first and second verses of Genesis, which the theory states. It explains many specific observations, including the age of the earth. This view was popularized in 1909 by the Schofield Reference Bible. So, mm, never heard of it. Though they say literal 24 hour periods that God worked his first day, 24 hours, full day work. But what they're trying to say is, is that even though they're literal 24 hour days, there was a huge gap in time between those days. Okay. So that's what they think. I either you agree with it or you don't. They probably um, got a detailed explanation how that works. Right. And it basically moves on to day age creationism. Um, basically, the top of old earth creationism is a metaphorical interpretation of the creation accounts in Genesis. It holds that the six days referred to in the Genesis account of creation are not ordinary 24-hour days, but are much longer periods from thousands to billions of years. <laughs> the Genesis account is then reconciled with the age of the earth. So basically they're saying, oh, well, uh, you know what they say, uh, scientists say 13.8 billion years, something like that. I don't know, man. It's all crazy to me. It's, you know, why are there all these different How the hell do they, get, like, if you really want to get down to it, I'll make it quick. How the hell can this be any more than a theory that any scientist knows how old the earth is? Or how the hell could they possibly know a big bang happened? There's no way they can know any of this. This is all conjecture. I could make up a theory just as easy. Yeah. I just don't have the credentials where you'd believe me. Maybe God told them. I don't know. <laughs> the <knows>? scientist. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Maybe it's uh, lingering in his brain and it's actually God talking to him, or maybe he's just fucking batshit crazy and don't know what he's talking about. That's what I think. But uh, yeah, and it, it, it got accepted anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's biblical. I don't, I don't believe in religion, but it's biblical. Um, so progressive creationism. Uh, it's basically a religious belief that God created new forms of life gradually over a period of hundreds of millions of years a, as a life, I'm sorry, as a form of old earth creationism, it accepts mainstream geological and cosmological, uh, estimates for the age of the earth. Some tenets of biology, such as microevolution, as well as archeology span to make its case now again it's another another look on it um there's so different many and i could go on forever apparently because everybody wants to be different well one interesting thing about that one that you just said is we all think okay god created the earth and the heavens and the universe and everything bam there he, he got it done and then he just chilled out took a break and he's just been watching over everything ever since well, if he had the power to start it all, 
who's to say that maybe at some certain period he decided to step back in and tweak a little this or tweak a little that every couple million years or so. Who knows? Exactly. And that that's the whole point. No one knows. <laughs> right. So basically progressive creationism can be held in conjunction with uh, hermeneutic uh, approaches to the Genesis creation narrative, such as the day age creationism uh, or framework, metaphoric, poetic views. Um, but moving on, I don't want to get too lost on that. Let's get into philosophic and scientific creationism. All right. Uh, so creation, uh, creation science, which is pseudoscience, basically. Uh, creation science, or initially scientific creationism, is a pseudoscience that emerged in the 1960s uh, with proponents aiming to have young Earth creationist beliefs taught in school science classes as a counter to teaching of evolution. Basically, I don't believe in what you say, so we're going to do this instead. And uh, common features of creation science arguments include creationist uh, cosmolo uh, cosmologies, which accommodate a universe on the order of thousands of years old, criticism of radiometric dating, uh, through a technical argument about radio halos, uh, explanations for the fossil record as a record of the Genesis flood narrative. And you, if you want to know more about that, look up flood geology. Um, but it, uh, the explanations for the present diversity as a result of pre-designed genetic variability <laughs> and partially due to the rapid degradation of the perfect genomes God placed in created kinds, which is us or anything for that matter. So basically due to mutations, I don't right. know. It gets... Once upon a time, if you go by the Bible, people live thousands of years and somewhere along the lines, what did God decide? Uh, well, I get, I think it says in the Bible, he shortened our lives. So he did get back involved with his creation. He didn't just leave it be. So there you go. Maybe that's what happened. Well, a lot of times it's basically boiling down to the fact that they're saying, okay, well, we could agree with everything that's in the Bible, but we're going to put our twist on it and say that evolution's still in there somewhere. Uh, Neo-creationism uh, is a pseudoscientific moment, uh, movement which aims to restate creationism in terms uh, more likely to be well received by the public, by policymakers, hmm, interesting, uh, by educators, and by the scientific community. Well, they want to force that shit in your face. Yeah, uh, buddy. It aims to ref it basically aims to reframe the debate over the origins of life. Hey, that's interesting. That's what I call this series. In non-religious and scientific community. Um, but the terms and without appeals to scripture. So they don't they they basically want to say it's all this, but we're not gonna lean on the religious standpoint of it. They're trying to look at it more from a scientific standpoint. Um, you can believe it or not believe it. There's a lot of courts that, that got involved, uh, different disputes. Basically people wanted to teach this shit in school. And then and finally, I think it was, there's some kind of establishment clause, uh, because of the first amendment that basically they did not allow them to teach it under science 
but it could be taught under philosophy and religion. So that's kind of a good thing because I mean, unless you want your children going to school and, and learning these things and being like, well, so the big bang theory happened, but then there's God. And then there's like a billion other questions these kids are going to ask and they're not going to be questions you're going to want to be familiar with. No, they so, can't teach all that. It's all too many conflictions between the information. Yeah. I mean, you know, to, to have it as inherently uh, a religious concept and that advocating that it's correct and accurate in public school, um, it just it, it just causes conflict. There's too much questions there. Um, it's fine if you go to, a, say, a, a religious type school and that's part of the you know thing that they're going to teach. Because, you know, in religious schools, they do. They teach science. They teach history. They teach all kinds of things. But they right. also teach religion. And that's right. fine if you want to sign your child up and pay the money to have them learn all that stuff. Great. What about intelligent design? You know, intelligent design is another uh, pseudoscientific view. Um, basically, uh, certain features of the universe and living things are best explained by an intelligent cause, not an uh, indirect process such as natural selection. Um, yeah, they get into like wedge strategy and all kinds of shit. They, they basically can go on and on. They don't like talking about uh, Christians and their theistic uh convictions um which accepts uh supernatural explanations but basically they just they're going the other direction they they want to look at it from an intelligent perspective and say okay they too though wanted again to teach this kind of stuff in school and it's like i don't think uh you know it's it's really relevant for kids to even know this stuff i mean if if it's something that's of interest that you want to teach to your kid I think that's a better that or send them to church or whatever it is you're going to do. But as far as uh, making it mandatory to learn in school, no, I don't think it should, should happen, but that's just my opinion. Well, there again, it's not factual beyond a reasonable doubt. It can't be proven. It is theory. So let's stick with stuff that's going to be in school. That's going to actually prepare a young individual to go out and be a force to reckon with in this life and be able to provide for themselves and do something worthwhile with their life. And it's this information is not necessarily going to do anything for them in that respect. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, you know, geocentrism is another one and they go on talking about, it's funny. There was this book uh, written back in 2006. It's called Galileo is wrong. The church was right. Boy, I'll tell you what, man, you want to talk about splitting hairs on some stuff. These people just, they, they want to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And rather than just saying, Hey, you know what? Nobody knows. Nobody really knows. And that's fine. You want to write a book about it, but sitting there banging on, on someone else for their beliefs. I just think it's, I don't Without know. Galileo literally made discoveries that changed the view on everything that we know because uh, of him scouting out into the outer space and the universe. Yeah, not according to the church. <laughs> yeah. How did, did I don't want to get into Galileo and get you off subject, but wasn't he killed or put in prison or something for what he was uh, postulating from his discoveries? 
uh him and like uh dozens of others yeah yeah i mean it basically you... it was against the catholic religion what he was discovering and with proof it's factual he what he was finding out but that didn't float you know the catholics boat so uh, i know that something bad happened to him i just don't remember what yeah so i'm gonna move on man buddhism uh, just basically the thing I like about it is, is that it's basically, con I guess it, it's in co complete direct conflict yet Buddhists are such peaceful people, but I like how it says it, it denies a creator deity and posts that mundane deities such as Mahabharama are sometimes misperceived as a creator, right? So while Buddhists includes beliefs in divine beings called devas or devas, however you want to say it, it holds that they are mortal, limited in their power, and that none of them are creators of the universe. So it's kind of interesting little standpoint on it, but yet, you know, the Hindus knock them for it. You know, they, they're in direct conflict with Buddhism. Obviously, Christianity is as well, but right. you know, such a peaceful religion, man. It's, if it's you live and let live. They literally don't believe in, like, harming an insect. Yeah, absolutely, but, you know. Which I think is beautiful. That's awesome. They believe in reincarnation, which is another after-you-die uh, way of looking at things. It's different in their perception. I think it's it's intriguing. It's very cool. Yeah, and it says uh, major Buddhist uh, Indian philosophers consistently critique creator God views uh, put forth by Hindu thinkers. So, you know, they don't, they strongly don't, they just don't believe that. They believe that, you know, not saying they don't believe in divine beings and stu uh, stuff of that nature, but they just, they, they don't believe that the universe was created by you know, so on and so forth. I could go on it on with it forever, but I'm going to move on to Christianity real fast because All this right. is going <clears throat> as of 2006, most Christians around the world accepted evolution as the most likely explanation for the origin of species and did not take a literal view on the Genesis creation narrative. Well, what good Christians. Yeah. So, you know, wow. Well, you know, God said this in the Bible, but we'll just ignore him on that part. So the United States is an exception where belief in religious funda fundamentalism is much more likely to affect attitudes toward evolution than its believers elsewhere. So basically overseas, everybody who claims to be Christian are more likely to believe that narrative. So um, most contemporary Christian leaders and scholars from mainstream churches, such as the Angelicans and Lutherans, consider that there is no conflict between the spiritual meaning of creation and the science of evolution. According to the former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, for most of the history of Christianity, and I think this is fair enough, most of the history of the Christianity, there's been an awareness that a belief that everything depends on the creative act of God is quite compatible with a degree of uncertainty. 
or latitude about how precisely that unfolds in creative time. So basically contradicting the Bible. Interesting. Yes, he very carefully chose his words to do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's good, man. You know, leaders of the the Angelican and uh, Roman Catholic churches uh, have made statements in favor of evolutionary theory. We've talked about this before. Yeah. Um, that they have scholars such as uh, physicist uh, John Polkinghorne, who argues that evolution is one of the principles through which God created living beings. Earlier supporters of evolutionary theory, not so much. But now it's more, somehow or another, the church just all of a sudden started leaning toward it. Maybe they got tired of fighting the scientists over it. I don't know. But somehow or another, their views and opinions changed over time, which is really, I think that's growth for Catholics, honestly. I mean, I don't agree with it, but I think it's growth on their part. So, Well, I think it's very obvious if you look at the last couple hundred years that these religions have been around, if they are slowly twisting and changing their beliefs, how easy is it? to believe now for everybody out there that over thousands of years, how many changes have happened to these beliefs? Yeah, no doubt. Um, You know, if the human body takes its uh, original uh, form, uh, pre-existing living matter, the spiritual soul is immediately created by God type thing. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, if you believe you have a soul, Basically, maybe, maybe, maybe God is the thing. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm just saying in a spiritual sense, you know, if you believe you have a soul, um, it's funny because whenever you take all of Christianity and add it up, um, there's a thing where it says that denominations are the most likely to reject the evolutionary interpretation of the origins of life. And out of those three major ones that deny Mm -hmm. it, Seventy mm-hmm. percent of Protestants, seventy-six percent of Mormons, and ninety percent of Jehovah Witnesses. So interesting, the ones who are deniers. So more typical standardized Christianity, they accept it. All righty then. So if you're a Baptist, you probably accept it. If you're a Methodist or a Southern Baptist, probably accept it, so on and so forth. Uh, Mormon, Jehovah Witness, and Protestant. Hmm. That's interesting. I think so many people don't literally join these cliques because they believe it. It's just because they want to be part of a group. I literally think that's what it is. People want to be in cliques. They want to be in tribes. That's the way we're designed as human beings. And I think that's what postulates their beliefs. It's how they form their beliefs is because they get into a group or around a group that has these certain beliefs and it gets impressed upon them or they just join it into their ideology because it helps them fit in with the people that they want to be part of that group. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, uh, Hindu creationists uh, claim that species of plants and animals are material forms adopted by pure consciousness, which live in an endless cycle of births and rebirths. Um, that's kind of a little touch on Hindus and, and why they how they believe 
and they go into like the Vedas and stuff like that. Like they get really deep into like their time frames are so much more drawn out. Like they think human beings have been here for trillions of years. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting, but I I won't get into that because the next one I really enjoy. I, I do think the Vedic text is a good book for anybody to read. Uh, believe, it, believe it or not, just like the Bible, believe it or not, they're they're all great reads for their philosophies, their beliefs. They're very interesting. Oh yeah, especially when they start getting into cosmology and shit like that. I mean, it's phenomenal. Um, my next one though is fun because it's Islam. <laughs> And oh there's, boy, there's a reason why people have problem with Muslims. Um, and when I say people, I mean not me, but certain people have problems, and I'll I'll tell you why. It's it's a good opening line. So Islam or Islamic creationism is the belief that the universe, including humanity, was directly created by God, as explained in the Quran. It usually views the book of Genesis as a corrupted version of God's message. Mm. Direct conflict with the Bible. And if you have ever read anything from the Quran... I have read some of it, and it's. I found some very despicable passages in their book. There is some, there is some twisted things in there, but... The biggest thing that you're going to find out why there's such a huge conflict is exactly what I just said, because it's in direct cahoots with what, what 2 billion people believe. So, yeah. And, uh, and I could go on. About we are more infidels. More. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some Muslims believe in evolutionary creation, uh, especially among liberal movements with Islam. Um, not all of them, but there are some that do. It could get into wider range of interpretations, uh, but I'm not going to go there. Um, yeah. There's there's plenty of information if you want to look it up. Uh, the Boston Globe did a, a good piece on it by uh, Drake Bennett. Uh, actually did a post for uh, the Boston Globe. It was really good if you want to touch on some of the <laughs> really. They, they, uh, they have very interesting uh beliefs on uh if you look into infidel just the word infidel and into the scripture on how they speak about infidels and how they treat women not that our god did wonderful things in the christianity version over here that everybody goes by either the christian god did lots of despicable shit too but in the quran they have some pretty twisted beliefs about infidels and who they are and the way they should be treated, gay people, um, the way women should be treated. And it's all, eh, I don't know, make uh, your own opinion. Look into some of that. If you, like I say, it's, it's all these different religious books. If you really re read them and really find out what these people believe, it's kind of uh, interesting. You get a more in-depth knowledge about why people act the way they do and why so many wars are fought. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, Orthodox Jews uh, who basically for Orthodox Jews who seek uh, to reconcile discrepancies between science and the creation myths in the Bible, the notation of science and the Bible should even be reconciled through uh, traditional scientific means of question. Um, that's kind of their thing. It's like, you know, I guess 
in a sense, open to suggestion. They they observe it scientifically and they try to uh, figure out who's right and who's wrong. Um, there's uh, they point out discrepancies between what is expected and what actually is to demonstrate that things are not always as they appear. Um, yes. So, like I was talking about early on, metaphorical terminology and stuff. Maybe you're reading something and thinking, holy shit, he's on a spacecraft doing what? And it may just be a metaphor saying, nah, man, he was just really out there, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it's, right. it's, it's, you can, it's, if it's vague enough, you can make so many different interpretations. Oh, absolutely, man. That's the power of pen. Yes. People, man, man can write some phenomenal shit. I've read some phenomenal books. Try reading Treasure Island sometime. Well, I think lots of uh, just like our Christian Bible is allegorical. It's not meant to be taken absolutely literally, but some people absolutely take it literally. Absolutely. But, you know, hey. that's why I look at these texts a lot more as philosophic text. And if you look at them as philosophy, instead of taking everything as literalism, you can gain a lot of wisdom from the books. Yeah, and when we start mixing up like creation, evolution, controversy, when we start getting into the controversial side of it, um, in the U.S., uh, creationism has become centered in the political controversy over creation and evolution in public education. Uh, now, I don't know if there's people out there that are concerned with it, but I certainly am. I, I just... I don't want my kids learning certain things. I think they need to stick to the basics because it doesn't do them much good anyways. Um, but as a percentage here in America, this is kind of disturbing. Uh, when they ask the parents, or if we're going to put away, this is a poll of the American way, um, happened back in 1999. I'm sure it's varied since then, but out of the percentage, America believes that public schools should teach evolution only. 20% agrees. Only evolution should be taught in science classes. Religious explanations can be discussed in other classes. 17% agrees. Creationism. Very, very close. Yeah. Hmm. Well, here's the biggest one that leaps out. Creationism can be discussed in science class as a belief, but not scientific theory. 29% agrees. Hmm. It's the leader. Hmm. Creationism and evolution should be taught as a scientific theories in science class. 13% agrees. Only creationism should be taught. 16% agrees. Teach hmm. both evolution and creationism, but unsure how to do so. Only 4% says yes. And then here's mine. 1%, no opinion. Honestly, yeah. I don't really know where to go with that. I don't think you should teach evolution, and I don't think you should teach creationism in school, period. I just don't. You could nullify this and just wipe it all out and say it doesn't really make a difference, and this is something for you to discuss with your child at home, just like their sex. You shouldn't be talking about uh, whether you should be a boy or a girl or whatever. Uh, you know, all this different quarreling we're having over that subject today. Those kind of things, I don't think have anything to do with education. This yeah. is more trying to mold and groom a person into 
believing a certain thing when it has nothing to do with education. School is for education. So if you say cut it all out, I could go for that. Or I could say unification of all the theories blended into one and go, they are all theories. Big oh, yeah. Big ba if there was a teacher that in the class said, we don't know how everything started, but we have a couple of ideas. We have Big Bang. We have creation. We have this. We have that. And these are all different theories, but we don't know the truth. But nobody's willing to say that in a class, so it will never happen. So you might as well just squash it, rub it out, and let the parents talk to their kids about it and make their decisions from there. Yeah, well, I mean, most uh, Christians disagree with the teaching of creationism as an alternative to evolution in schools. Obviously, we've talked about before the Catholic Church, you know, they hold their faith at high expectations and then they go on to say, but it doesn't necessarily, you know, mean that, you know, evolution didn't happen or the Big Bang didn't happen or so on and so forth. So everybody's open for interpretation now. I don't really know what it's their just agenda like it, is, but I say, hey, man, it's public school. Public school, don't teach it. If you put them in a Christian school, teach them the Christian theology. If it's Catholic school, teach them that. If it's uh, if they're in India, teach them whatever belief that you have there. If you want to put them into a school that delivers uh, some kind of a religious background in their education. But if you're not in that specific school that holds that religious value, because that's not what you believe and you want your kids to believe, then it shouldn't be in there. I say public schools here in America, you know, right or wrong, don't do it. Just kind of leave it out and teach the material that kids need to learn to grow up, to function in the world and let them develop their own beliefs. Stay out of their sex, stay out of their religion. Absolutely. I, I honestly agree with that. I think that they need to start focusing more on uh, developing these kids to think for themselves. Um, they, of course, don't like that because free thinking people often get ousted. And, you know, God forbid you got somebody who's anything other than a machine to support the government. Right. They do want to control your beliefs, which is going to be something that it will, it will be hard pressed to ever get a public school to stop shoving shit down kids throats that doesn't have any purpose in their education. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole thing people is that those four questions that bring into, you know, so many different, <laughs> I mean, and there, you know, I didn't even touch on even a fraction of it. So where did we come from? What makes us who we are? What is our purpose or meaning? Where do we go when we die? It's all good questions to think about. And you got your whole life to think about them, which could and, end tomorrow or it could be 50 years from now. So, right. And you know what? It. At least you uh, threw out tons of different material that anybody can go, well, that subject he spoke on was interesting. Go research it, go look it up. That's the whole thing is lots of people don't ever do any research for their own self. Look into different things. Don't just believe what somebody else tells you. Oh, yeah. And, and another little uh, thing to add to as well is if you always have questions or want to leave comments, you can always contact me at the human factor at protonmail.com. I, I will answer gladly answer any questions or guide you in the right direction of what you're trying to find if I can help. Yeah, well, you got research that you pulled up to do this stuff. You can send somebody towards your research that you looked into. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, I am a constant reader. 
I am one of those people that feasts on knowledge. So <laughs> yum, 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 yum. Yep. <laughs> that, <laughs> so that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, special thanks to Jason Morris for his views, opinions, and often comical and witty banter. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Well, thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. And you can reach out to him and uh, write him some shitty emails if you want at contact, keeping it real at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, be sure to check out his podcast, Keeping It Real with Jay Scott on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Yep. It's all over the place. All right. That's all I got, folks. So I hope you enjoy it. And feel free to contact me at any time with any questions. I have plenty of information for you. Thank you all. Good times. And that'll do it for this episode. So be sure to subscribe and support this podcast and follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates and info. I'm Danny Beard, and you've been listening to The Human Factor.